hello again and welcome to another very loud introduction and another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will Muirden. How is it going tonight, Will, on this steamy, steamy, steamy late November evening? It's really good, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, the weather's wonderful here. We've had a couple of cracking days here in Adelaide. I'm, I'm loving that. It's finally turned around for us. It's going to be a stinker over the weekend, but sit inside. Yeah. It's Thanksgiving over in the States. We're coming into it that. Is. Uh, so Happy they, holidays. They come, yeah, absolutely. To all of our US listeners, uh, I think it's, it's a great time of year. I loved Thanksgiving. I know when I came back from it, I, I tried to kind of get us having a few Thanksgiving meals yeah. and, and that was yeah, always a bit of fun shit. there. I think we need to try and get that back just quietly, you and I. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I'm heading your way this weekend. Is that still a thing for us? Yeah, I believe I'm, so, as long I'm as I can. To you, but I'm hoping that I can. So yeah. Saturday night, I'm coming to sleep on your couch again. Sweet, look forward Is to that it. Is that a thing or, like, I know you've got, like, kids now, so it's, like, a bit of a game changer. Absolutely, it's a thing. It, it's always going to be a thing. So I'm all for that. That'll, that'll be good. Uh, there's good games like across the weekend because of this Thanksgiving too. Like They, they do yeah. play them there. Obviously in the NFL, there's quite a few games. But then this mm-hmm. weekend's Friday night, Saturday over here slate is quite good. Uh, I think it kind of stacks up all right. So looking forward to that. It, it's all really good, man. Loving that. Well, that's good. Uh, before we get into some news and a few other bits and pieces, some games and obviously the game introductions and, and previews, I thought we'd actually start the show and just you know get off, get this out of the way now. And that is, please do make sure that you do hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at College Football Down Under. Make sure you get in touch. We are getting uh, a few more comments, a few more uh, movement on those college football pages. So make sure you do engage with the community. Tell your friends, leave us a review, um, and subscribe to the podcast as well. It really, really does help us. And I guess kind of makes us want to continue to do it. Obviously, there's a lot of, not that I'm going to get on my soapbox here too much, but we do have lives. We do have... Um, you know, children, well, I don't, but you do, um, you know, and we neglect our relationships and our families to a certain extent to do this. Uh, so, you know, just a little bit of support. We're after those likes. We are like teenage girls on Instagram, really. Uh, so make sure you do help us out. It makes us want to want to keep going. And we live through your approval and recognition. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, we certainly appreciate any anything we can get there. So tell your friends, we, we enjoy doing this. We'd like to keep doing it. So spread the word uh, that the show's not that bad. Like it's it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's really mediocre. That'll, that'll do. All right. Uh, before we get into some news and the rest of college football down under preview show for week number 13 for some schools, of course, not so much for others. Will, you've got something to get us... Out of the blocks because you are just going rogue. You are like the Ron Burgundy of college football down under. You just do whatever the heck you want and Absolutely. need a teleprompter. Correct. It, it comes to mind and I'm thinking, that's it. I'm throwing this in here. We're going to have some fun here. And I wanted to introduce something that gave a bit of recognition to teams so far that have, have been doing well or, or individuals that we might not speak about uh, at, at that level. So I, I've, I've kind of pitched this as a bit of a quiz and, and I've got oh some kind of stat-leading questions. I love when you do this. I love when you do this. This is 
bullshit because love, there's no way that I can do well at these. But yeah. love to put you on the spot. But I yeah. mean, you've watched a lot of ball. You you, you kind of know the vibe, and it's all mul- it's all multi choice. So you, you're yeah. gonna kind of have an idea around it, and it, and it gives so us. So how long it's been since it? you've done a test? Multiple choice, I think, is the correct term, not multi choice. But anyway, let's push on. <laughs> you're right I, I have not done a test in some time and every now and then I have to pick up like a pen to write something like down and I, 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 I think Just I resource, hold it like a, instant resource oh I've gone back to holding it like a fucking crayon like the full fist grip of a crayon there it's quite foreign to me but let's get into this because I've, I've got the five questions here so I want above 50% from you oh so three you, out of five okay ouch. you got that in you yeah, well, probably not, knowing okay. the obscurity of these questions. Let's but. let's get started. So I'm talking offense to begin with. Which team averages the most yards per game on the year so far? I have number one. Group of five. The UCF Knights. No. Number two, the Kent State Golden Flashes. It is the Kent State Golden Flashes. Stop right there. Stop the presses. It is the Kent State Golden... Or they might be the number one scoring offense. Anyway, push on. Number three, the North Carolina Tar Heels. No. Or number four, the Ole Miss Rebels. Kent State. Give me Kent State. Lock it in, Eddie. Lock it in. I love it. Confidence. Backed yourself in and you've nailed it. That's spot yes. on, my man. So they are flying this year, the Flashes. Undefeated. So- Averaging 616 yards a game, they're at number one. Uh, UCF coming at two at 586, Ole Miss at three, and North Carolina at four. So And Kent State have got a massive game this week uh, against Buffalo. Uh, both teams undefeated in the MAC. And bit of action. Bit of action. So, and that's good because Kent State. I mean, they played in a bowl game only a couple of years ago for the first time in like forever, like literally maybe forever. And they've actually had a bit of stability there. So get on the golden flashes. Yeah, love it. Love to see it. All right, let's flip the other side of the ball now. Which team has given up the fewest amount of points per game this year? Marshall Thundering Herd. Fuck, he's good. This guy is good, people. I think (laughs) I might have given him a a tip-off that there might be a a quiz and he's done some study. To be fair, I mean, I do my research. I know who the top kind of defences and and offences are in the country. And obviously I have, well, maybe not obviously, but I've got Marshall in my um, championship draft. So I do keep an eye on them. And I know they're a very, very good defence at the moment. So they're going really well. That's nuts. So well done, mate. Uh, You've locked it away. And they are like 10 points a game. Marshall, excellent at the moment. Uh, Followed by Florida, Florida Atlantic who's a team that I've always kind of thought more offensive prowess. Uh, obviously, really solid defense this year. And then Wisconsin and Northwestern. And we obviously saw those two put on a defensive show last week. Uh, they, they both yep. come in at third and fourth in the nation. All right, moving along then. Uh, two for two. One you more. are. Need one out of three. And I think you're good for it because this one really kind of sticks out. These guys are, are looking good. But which team has had... The most sacks on the year. Which team has generated the most amount of sacks? I'll put a guess out there before you go to your uh, options. I would say Pitt, but I don't know if that's correct. There's there's a lot of arrogance and I like it. Like you're really backing yourself in. Pitt are one of the options in the four. Oh, no. So we have Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, we have Virginia Tech. We have Oklahoma. And we sure have not. Tulane. They're your four uh, options. 
Now, I mean, it's hard to know in the group of five. Oklahoma got off to a really bad start. Pitt have been good. But since I said Pitt and you turned it down, I'm thinking it's not them. I wouldn't have thought Virginia Tech. I'll go Tulane. I'll go the Green Wave. I'll go possibly the best logo slash mascot in the whole of college football. Give me that punching Green Wave. I have stitched you a bit here because it was Pitt. You nailed it. So, uh, I mean, Pitt have been fantastic. They have 40 sacks on the year. Uh, yeah. Tulane coming in second at 35, Virginia Tech third at 32, and Oklahoma fourth at 30, which is crazy because Oklahoma's defense is not normally known for... Yeah, stunk it up. And, I mean, Pitt had a couple of big opt-outs earlier in the year along the defensive line as well, so they've gone... That that's, is impressive. I mean, not surprising. Impressive, but not surprising because there's... Some really good coaching on the defensive side of the ball. Absolutely. All right. So I'll give you a half point there. You're at yeah. the two and a half, but I want you to jag one of these these last couple here. Okay. Uh, we've got moving into individual ranks now. So I could go backwards in a hurry. Well, here. which player has scored the most points on the year? Most points. So it's probably going to be a running back. Well, I'll give you some options. So. I've got Najee Harris, Harris at Alabama. Who, that who's that is who sprung to mind. So if I could throw some names out there, I'm going to suggest that Najee Harris is going to be on. So quarterbacks don't count unless no. they run it in. I'm Correct. assuming. So Najee Harris, I would say Javante Williams at UNC is probably in the mix for your suggestions. He's on the list. Yep. Uh, is there a wide receiver? There isn't. No. There's another running back in the Big Twelve. Um. Um, 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 who's Brees Hall Brees Hall and there's another one with a funky name uh, like Ulysses no. not Ulysses you're from uh, SMU yeah not yeah him. I think he's yardage he's not in there he might be around the mark but the, the last one is Chris Nagger who is the kicker at SMU oh touche that's a good I'm going to say Najee Harris Najee Harris lock him in that was my initial thought so I'll go okay I like it uh, probably shouldn't have followed your initial thoughts this time around unfortunately <laughs> it was a kicker it, was it, it wasn't the kicker no so it's Javante Williams oh uh, really he is just racking up scores on the ground rushing touchdowns I believe yeah he's uh, going nuts and, and what yeah. makes that even more impressive is that he's splitting carries almost 50-50 mm. like he's obviously getting those goal line touches and, and the valuable is, touches yeah. down there but still he's not like a do it all guy himself like Najee Harris is really the feature back there like he's got some handy understudies don't get me wrong but he's the guy so yeah mm. Javante Williams 108 points on the year both Najee Harris and Brees Hall have scored 96 and Chris Nagger scored 88 as the kicker there mm. at SMU well done well done kicking alright last one you've got this this is the, the hardest one. I've so suggested I've, a lot of the correct answers. I just haven't you've done a fantastic <laughs> job so far. Uh, this one's probably the hardest. To if, if you get this, I'll be impressed. But yeah. uh, which quarterback has been sacked the most on the year? Who has gone down the most? Who's caught the most punishment? Uh, the You're options here, names here. We've got Desmond Trotter at the University of South Alabama. We have Chase Bryce at Duke. He's we have a lot of picks. Jalen Daniels at Kansas. And we have Derek King at Miami. Now, Miami does not rank particularly well in sacks per game. Uh, I believe they're in like the, you know, well, well down on the list at about four sacks per game. So I'm, and this will be a stitch up to 
F me, I reckon. I would lean Derek King. Uh, but there's probably someone who's been hammered a bit more than him. But I'll say Derek King. Yeah, it was a little bit of a red herring I've thrown in there to try and throw you off. Uh, he, he's had the fourth most amount of sacks on the yeah. year. Uh, number one is Chase Bryce. So, he's, oh, so not only is he turning it over, but he's getting pounded a bit. He's, oh. he's been sacked 26 times on the year. Uh, then Jalen Daniels and De- Desmond Trotter both in at 25 and Derek King at 24. So it's all pretty tight up there. That's why this was a, a bit of a tough one. But I think you've done a fantastic job. Last one on the sacks, and, and this is a, an interesting fact that I found when pulling these numbers out here. Yeah. Seven of the top 11 uh, quarterbacks to have been sacked the most reside in the ACC. Uh, that's because elite defenses. I well, that's suggest. what I was going <laughs> to ask. I'm like, is there elite defensive line play, or have we got Which some Swiss cheese offensive yeah, line? Yeah, <laughs> like what's what's going on? I know you've been a big advocate for saying offensive line play in general across football has been on the decline, and maybe mm-hmm. it's just because your head's in ACC football. Yeah, I mean, and maybe. the guys are getting walked around. Well, or walk through. I mean, it's. I mean, <laughs> those defensive everywhere. Those defensive coordinators in the AC said they were cooking up some extravagant, exotic blitzes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, well, thank you for that. Will good stat hunting. I know that's definitely in your wheelhouse. You love crunching numbers and you love putting people on the spot. So both of those two things really suit what you're all about. And Absolutely, and you can hold f- your head up high like that's I mean. For the first time in maybe ever, if we've quizzed each other on this show, I feel like I've come away not feeling like I've dropped the soap in prison, really. Right, so, <laughs> so that's good. All right, let's get into Week 13 News. Dabo Swinney has hit out at FSU, and this is all centered around the fact that the Seminoles appear to have perhaps dodged a game against the not reigning national champions, but certainly the um, playoff championship contenders in the Clemson Tigers. Uh, They had an offensive lineman that tested positive the day prior to the game, which would have fallen on the Saturday. Florida State said that they weren't keen to play. Clemson offered them Sunday. They said no. Clemson offered them Monday. They said no to that. And they were in Tallahassee at the time. So Dabo's come out, hit out and saying it's pathetic, it's gutless and uh, he expects better from Florida State. Mike Norvell defended their position, but your thoughts on this um, cassiness in the, I like the it. ACC? He's gone for the throat here. He's not pulling any punches. So he's, he's having a crack and saying what he thinks. And I think it's fair because I think they have flat out ducked him here. I don't blame Florida State for doing it. Like a bit of self-preservation there. That's clever. Uh, Mike Norvell kind of putting it all on the medical stuff. They made the decision. wasn't ours. It's the <laughs> medical guys. So you guys look like dickheads because we're in a pandemic, which is, you know, a very good stance to take. You can't really knock that, but they definitely They're just blank it. faces in the background. They're just shadows. <laughs> shadows and dust. Uh, the Apple Cup gets cancelled. Washington are going to face Utah this week uh, as a result of... Arizona State obviously being in some trouble and Wazoo as well, meaning that those two teams do a quick shuffle, face each other. Uh, And the Apple Cup misses, which is a bit of a disappointing one because I was expecting a pretty good game there. Both teams obviously fresh to 2020 and we don't really know what to expect just yet from those two teams. Both have put in pretty solid performances to start the year and I think that would have been a great contest. 
Yeah, certainly disappointing to lose any of these rivalries. I know there's a couple that have been knocked over now, so that's uh, always sad to see because they are massive in the college football landscape. And the other one, which, gee, this new segment's got away from us quick, Paul Bunyan's axe is dust for this year and thus ending a 113-year consecutive run of this game being played, which is absolutely unbelievable. And, I mean, the fact that this year got up at all is impressive, but it, it is, I don't know why these things matter to humans, but it is a very kind of ostentatious, arrogant, uh, I, I mean, that's a bit harsh, maybe, maybe not arrogant's not the way to think about it, but certainly uh, losing a run like this becomes a big deal to some people in the grand scheme of the world. Is it that important? Probably not, but it is disappointing to you to lose that run. Yeah, I mean, let's get it as a bowl game. Let's not lose yeah, it. That, absolutely. Let's, let's slide it in at the end of the year and make something happen. It's, it's going to be weird how they get bowls going. Like, what, some of these Big Ten and Pac-12 teams have gone two and two. Do they get bowl eligibility out of that? Like, who fucking knows? If you've yes. got something like this that can be played, let's do it. Well, and it will because Wisconsin and Minnesota are pretty much done at this point. Anyway, and that is all I have in the news do you have anything else to add William I think the only thing I'd like to touch on I don't know if we'd kind of scheduled this elsewhere but now's a good time for it the no, college football rankings came out the playoff rankings for the first time uh, so yep, they were okay f- well you you discuss your thoughts on it while I pour another beer good idea uh, so I mean for mine no huge shocks up the top so it had uh, Alabama Notre Dame Clemson and Ohio State as the top four very similar to AP poll with Clemson and Ohio State kind of flip-flopping there so they've got uh, Clemson a bit higher than Ohio State with the one loss there you have Texas A&M as the first ones out Florida after them Cincinnati and then Northwestern and they feel like the teams that are still really a shot that, that group of eight there. And, and even then, there needs to be carnage for Northwestern or Florida to make it in. Like Northwestern just got to run the table. And correct. So Florida. Like if Florida, they got to go and win, they got to go and win championship games now. Yep. And, and that could happen. Like it, it's, it's, absolutely feels unlikely, well, but it could happen. Uh, sure. I think the big one in all of this that got hosed uh, and is an interesting talking point is BYU. So they've been undefeated on the year, 9-0. and uh, Not only that, but done it in quite convincing fashion. Looked really good mm-hmm. doing it. Yes, they played some pretty subpar outfits, but they've looked and like a really good team. Boise State, who year in, year out, you know, finished ranked. Absolutely. And they've come in at 14. So they're, they're right down. They're underneath a two-lost Iowa State team, a two-lost Oklahoma, two-lost Georgia. Uh, it seems a bit disrespectful. I, I probably would have slotted them in behind Northwestern there uh, with room to grow. But they, they've got nothing ahead of them. They have one more game left on their schedule, and it's nothing impressive either. So unfortunately for BYU, they're very much on the outside. The one positive from this is, though, that if a now that they've got a couple of weeks off, they kind of need to see what they can do to make a game happen. So if there's like a big Power yeah. 5 team whose game gets cancelled, they'd be on the phone, surely, saying, let's let's do something, let's make this work. Yeah. I mean, I don't, and I think the, the schools will agree to that, but whether the conferences themselves have already seen the Big Ten Knicks, some suggestion of... Uh, who was I? I can't even remember who it was now. Nebraska picking up a game when there was one cancelled and, and that got shut down very, very quickly. So 
Uh, I would love to see it happen. And, and I, the more I think about it, I, you, you know, when you UCF were doing their thing and Cincinnati this year, you just want to see him get a shot and not just in a bowl game. Like I don't want it to be like this tokenistic bowl experience where they're like, oh, they played a, a you know, New Year's Six bowl game and they played, you know, the number eight team in the country close. Yeah, it's like, well, no shit. Give him a shot earlier in the year yeah, to, well, to actually have a crack. It's often even worse than that because it's like a team who's lost their conference championship game. They yeah, had aspirations of making a playoff and they don't care. And, and you really don't get a good gauge because, yeah, like UCF, they go on and win and they beat like a Georgia or something like that. And you're like, yeah, but how motivated is that Georgia team? They're not. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's not the same playing field well, for where they're at. by Auburn, which happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, all interesting talking points and that'll come up again in our championship draft later let's get into our fair dinkums for the week now I've got a couple for you here Um, firstly I'm going to start with the best and most relevant conferences in the country are in order now you can take this however you want as well because best and most relevant are open for interpretation Uh, SEC the ACC the Pac-12 the American, the Sun Belt, the Big Ten, and then the Big 12. Now, you can, I'm happy to flip six and seven. I'm happy to flip uh, the Big 12 ahead of the Big Ten, if you like. I guess the big dagger here is that those two conferences have underperformed, are underwhelming, and on a national stage are completely irrelevant. See, that's, uh, like, I know you're just trying to trigger me here. Like you've really gone fishing. You're trying to fire me. Well, up, I, I, to be fair, I actually haven't as much as you would perhaps think. But yep, carry on. Uh, it's it's tough to interpret best and most relevant because like it, it, it is open to judgment. If you talk about the Big Twelve and what where they're at at the moment with no team ranked in the top ten, yeah, that that's super disappointing. Do they have four teams in the top twenty five still at the moment? Yes, and that's and those four, well done. those four teams are pretty good. Well, how many has the ACC got? And are we claiming uh, Notre Clemson, Dame because they're doing Notre, all right? Notre Dame are in Notre Dame, so they got three oh. in the top ten. Okay, and then how many outside of that? One other, uh, so they've they've also got four North, in the North top. Carolina, North Carolina yeah. are in as well. Correct. So yeah. So there's four. four. Three in the top. Three in the top ten is pretty good, and two but, in the top four. But it's just the four, and you really have to claim Notre Dame. Like it's kind of yes, you've got them this year, and are they're they not the actually ACC an ACC. Year? Are they in the ACC this year? Are they in the uh, ACC this year? Can I would be disappointed though. Like a team that's not actually ACC as coming in there and wrecking house like they're beating everyone and doing it easily it's an embarrassment for the ACC how they're not doing it easily let's cut let's calm down on that eight no number they two they haven't, pl- they haven't played anyone well it's yeah, to- <laughs> that's a very good point you make because they've only played an <laughs> ACC schedule and that tends they, to be no they one played like the Clems- Clemson, they played an injured Clemson team and nearly lost, which and proves how good Clemson a ga- is. A garbage ACC slate. So and now they play North Carolina. So we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think the other interesting things are, and this is probably goes to national relevance. Part of that is media driven as well, not necessarily just performance on the field. But the Pac-12 are still new, so they get a little bit of recency. Uh, I guess excitement and newness. They're like the new girlfriend on the block in the in the way that we don't know enough about them. Teams haven't played themselves out of a position yet, so they're still relevant. The American with Cincinnati, UCF was close. They're interesting. They've got some stuff going on. The Sun Belt's got Coastal Carolina 
um, doing things for the first time. So therefore, as a conference, are they relevant? No, but have they got someone representing that is relevant and interesting? Absolutely. The Big Ten is a fucking mess at the moment. They are shit. Northwestern, of, are, Northwestern are a real boring. Cinderella story. They are boring. Cinderella? Well, they play, they play, that some yeah. ugly-ass Cinderella, mate? That is Absolutely an ugly-ass Cinderella. Yeah, it's, it's the ugly Cinderella story. And, you know, <laughs> some ugly dudes out there need to kind of be swinging for that. And that's, oh. that's what they are. Like, some people like defensive football. So I think you're well harsh on the Big Ten. They have Ohio State, who are one of the best teams in the country. Like they're in that bracket. Yes. I've got Northwestern yep. who are undefeated and look like a challenger in there. Wisconsin could shape up with anyone, and wow. they got knocked You're out. Going by with Wisconsin, the team that scored seven points last week against an elite defensive unit. Like I'm just saying, <laughs> the Big Ten has it well over the Pac-12. The, the Pac-12 this okay. Newness, so, so how are you ra- So how are you ranking them then? How are I'd you say, ranking I'd them? Say, like I would agree, SEC up top. I would have the ACC because they have been delivering at the top end this year. There has been some fun there. I'd have the oh. Big Ten. I'd have the Big Twelve. Oh. I'd have the American, and then I would have the Pac-12 and the Sun Belt. Oh. And I'd have like a big gap between the top four there. So I'm not saying the Pac-12 is going to be good, and if they'd played eight games at this point, they're probably dropping out of the con- but out of contention. I, but I'm saying that the fact that they've lost so many games, no one cares. Like, are they even Oregon's going to be able good. to play? And I like enough- Oregon. Oregon's, yeah. Oregon's playing good football. That's that's one team who is playing against average teams, and they're probably not going to be able to get six games out the way things are looking right. in the Pac-12. So we completely disagree on that notion. <laughs> so anyway, I've just thrown that firecracker under your bed and you you've have. Uh, taken off nicely. So well done. Um, I've been stewing on that Rob ever Durdick, since you sent... Rob, Rob Durdick, was that his name? He used to like popcorn people? Yeah. That thing? Ever since no, you that sent that across to me earlier today, I've been stewing on it and haven't been happy about it. <laughs> okay, the other one I've got for you is... And we need to move quick because we've got some game previews to get to. But don't hire a Nick or former Nick Saban coordinator because if you get him as the head man, you're not guaranteed, as people expect, any kind of victory. Uh, look, I immediately my reaction was... Nah, that's that's silly. I think every kind of coach needs to start somewhere and getting your tutelage under you know, the, the GOAT is can only be a good thing. Then I kind of dug into the numbers a little bit and I was like, mm, actually, if you look at all the promising and successful coaches at the moment, they've kind of done it their own way. Like, yes, they've obviously had a mentor here or there, but it's been like when they've been super junior – and then they've kind of forged their own path. Like you look at the likes of Darbo Sweeney or Lincoln Riley or um, Matt Campbell, even at Iowa State. They've all kind of started at smaller programs, built their own thing up, and then are developing that success. You look at the guys who are Alabama; they're all fairly established guys already. And and they've so kind let, of. Let's just I'll just reel off some names so people yep. know. So Jeremy Pruitt, who's the head man at Tennessee, Will Muschamp just got fired at South Carolina. Jim McElwain, who's now the head coach at Central Michigan, but uh, was the head guy at Florida. Um, there's a lot of Florida connections here. Mark D'Antonio got axed at Michigan State last year and was highly unsuccessful. Kirby Smart at Georgia. Mike Loxley at Maryland. Mel Tucker now at Michigan State. Uh, formerly of Colorado. I mean, I can bring some other guys in as well, but I won't. Lane Kiffin is probably one who has been highly controversial, um, and we certainly can't call him a success yet at 
Mississippi State, uh, sorry, at Ole Miss. But yeah, there's some of the names that have been less than comprehensive and still hold head coaching position. And, and what's that crazy record that Saban has against his exes? Like 20, 28 and one? one or yeah, yeah, 28 and none? Yeah, like I think he's ever lost one. That's nuts. So no one's been able to scale that. And until that happens, then yeah, it's a risky, a risky proposition to try and get a coach who might make you number two. It's not what and, you're open for. Yeah. And the other one that probably feeds into that, which I mentioned, is Bill Belichick is seeing the same sort of thing in the NFL as well with his coaches, but we won't dive down that rabbit hole either. Okay, let's get into some game previews because we've got a lot of stuff to get to and we're hopefully going to do it quickly. Uh, but let's start. We're going to go in reverse alphabetical order here uh, of conferences. So nothing too special. So that means we're starting in the SEC. So let's jump into the big one in the SEC. Uh, we love it year in, year out. Uh, and that is Auburn at Alabama. This is the Iron Bowl. Auburn hold a win streak in this competition of one game. Uh, but they do hold the win streak. We spoke about how good Alabama were on offense and they currently sit at 49.4 points per game, which is good for number three in the country. Auburn only conceding 22 points, but when you look at who they've played, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, South Carolina, haven't exactly had a lot of firepower. The only team they have faced that's got some juice, old Miss, scored 28 against them. And I, you know, you could say that is that comparative? Maybe because Ole Miss pushed Alabama. On the other, on the on the Auburn offensive side, Tank Bigsby only managed a couple of plays last weekend, got injured, and he is in doubt for Auburn and this completely throws the balance of their run threat offensively uh, which leaves in that running back position you've got DJ Williams the next best running back he had 11 carries against Tennessee last week and just 13 in the four games prior to that so this guy is underdone completely and I don't think we're going to see anything particularly special out of him. So what does that leave? Well, it leaves Gus Malzahn to cook up something offensively, which is what he's known for. And we're on this guy. We need Bo Nix to come in and have a really, really good game, uh, get involved in the run game, do really good things in the in the passing game, and you know maybe they can they can hold it tight. But I just don't see a world in which Alabama doesn't score 35 42 points on this on this Auburn uh defense and then there's no way that you know Alabama don't score heaps and and Auburn can't so genius English and really bad articulation (laughs) there but yeah we got there yeah, I mean, it's 42-plus here. You, you see this matchup, and you look at it, and you go, well, it's the Iron Bowl, crazy shit happens. Like the, yep. There's uh, countless uh, instances of that occurring, and Auburn won last year, so you only have to go back as far as last year to go, well, you know, maybe this can repeat itself. In last year's game, it was played in Auburn, and they had two pick sixes <laughs> and a trick play that came off for them to be able to pull that out and just scrape by to win. This one's being played in Tuscaloosa. This is an Alabama team that has won every game so far by more than 30 points across an only SEC schedule. And they're coming That's up against... unbelievable. It's, it's insane. Like, they're playing on another level. And this Auburn team ain't that darn good. Like, they've played one game against LSU where they looked impressive. Everything else that they've served up has been 
average. And and the record kind of shows that. So you're, I, you're not going to hear any argument of that from me. Uh, I, I think the other thing is when we look at this Alabama team is we expected the tour Alabama to go absolutely bananas and it never quite took flight. Um, but when we saw Mac Jones in relief last year of tour with his injury and all that, we weren't that inspired. Mac Jones comes in and he's having a Heisman type uh, performance this year. I say Heisman type. He is well and truly in the top three of the conversation and deserves to be. He is having a freakishly good year. But because of what we saw last year, I believe that's tarnishing Alabama's reputation here. Their defense hasn't been quite as good as it has been in the past. Uh, But they're still so much better than maybe every team in the country. Maybe they, like, you could easily make that argument. So I I just don't see They're number one. Yeah, exactly. They are number one. Exactly right. We talk about this Alabama being a machine. And I think it's kind of showing out this year that the machine ain't getting sick. Like, whilst everyone else is dealing with these human emotions and human impacts of uh, a global pandemic, it seems like Alabama has just taken it to another level, been able to hunker down, do what they do at that professional level that they do. And they've gone the other direction. Whilst everyone is kind of reeling and struggling with players out and this and that, Alabama are just looking real good, so... They'll continue that on, and I expect a a super comfortable victory in this one. Okay, let's head over to the other other big matchup, I believe, in the SEC, and that is Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Now, this is the Egg Bowl, and I'm going to put this as... Some men just want to watch the world burn. That was incredibly loud, and I apologize. Um, But some men do want to watch the world burn, and this is my chaos game of the week. Uh, not because I think that there's a favorite here or it should be um, you know, an upset or anything like that. I just think it's going to be a frantically chaotic game. There's going to be turnovers. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be coaches saying funny things. There's going to be scores. There's going to be bizarre plays. And I think this one is set up for something a little bit crazy. Mississippi State found some offense last week despite all their players missing. And hopefully they can get that again because if they don't, this game won't be close. It is set up for a massive, massive, massive shootout. We know who Ole Miss are. They're really good on offense, scoring 41 points a game. They're really bad on defense, conceding 40.9 points a game. If you do the math, that's 0.1 difference between what they're scoring, what they're giving up. I trust Lane Kiffin a bit more than the Pirates, so give me old miss in this one, but I'm expecting a crazy shootout between these two nut jobs. Yeah, I would never knock a guy for taking a chaos in a rivalry game. Like we spoke about it in the Iron Bowl just previously. Same deal here. Like Anything can fucking happen, and it often does. But for mine, I am super confident that Ole Miss get the job done here. They are in a much better position as a program at the moment. I think Mississippi State are getting a little boost on the back of an unexpected close matchup with Georgia last week. Like People see that and go, mm, actually, Mississippi State might be all right. Mm, I ain't buying into that. That one week to go with their week one shock upset seem feel like the aberrations to me. The rest of what we've seen from them has been like struggling to to move the ball at all struggling to put 10 points on the board i think they're averaging 17 on the year across that period it's probably closer to 10 not and, even they had like and, a seven a shutout <laughs> like, and th- this as you say this old miss side is going to put up points mississippi state are not going to stop them sucks 
it, it, and it may well, but I think it's going to be good enough. I think that things just aren't working out for Mississippi State at the moment. The the air raid hasn't quite set. Yes, we saw some week one success, but since then it has been super flat. I think Ole Miss will be able to contain that manager. Yeah, they might give up 21 points, which would be the most Ole Miss has scored since week one, but they're going to be scoring more than 45. They are going to win this game comfortably. Okay. Interesting. I like that you're strong in your convictions. Let's move on to LSU and Texas A&M. Another challenge for Texas A&M. You know, they're the number five team in the country. They sh- they should and probably will roll t- uh, this LSU team, but can they? Um, there is a little bit of a possible possibility for a look ahead here. The biggest challenge remaining on their schedule is Auburn. They get them next week. But they, you know, you don't want to get caught looking forward to that game because LSU just might get you. Uh, I think A and M are too good across the park. I think they're better coached and they've got something to play for, which LSU well and truly do not. And if I lean into what I truly believe about this year, and that is that teams that are out of contention will not, or will will start to see an increase in their lack of competition and lack of effort and lack of energy, then A and M win this pretty comfortably. Yeah, I mean, the number five team in the country we're talking about, uh, a team that was handled by Alabama outside of that, have looked really good. Unfortunately, they've been off the last two weeks. We haven't seen them. They have had two games postponed due to COVID. Do you know if it's been on their end or their opposition end? Uh, I, I'm not entirely sure, I must admit. No, I me, me either. Know. And, and I, that kind of throws a bit of question into it for me on this one as to if it's them, then I'm a little bit concerned because we know that the, there's I that disruption. I don't think so. I, don't I, 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 I have a feeling it's not, but I, I can't yeah. say for certainty. But if, if, it's, if it's not the case, and this is the Texas A&M we've seen before this break, I fully expect them to walk all over a, a depleted LSU team. I mean, both you and I from the start of the year have said this This LSU team lost a lot of talent and they're not going to be anywhere near where they are. And they've shown that. They've been pretty terrible. They gave up four, <laughs> four, 450 yards in a close win to Arkansas last week. Like Arkansas are a decent team in the SEC. They've been traveling all right. A&M's at another level. So you cannot be giving up 450 yards to an Arkansas team and then expecting to travel to Kyle Field uh, to get this one going. So for me, it's the Aggies quite comfortably here. And we talk about the SEC being the number one conference, but if we're real, it's Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, and then everyone else has been disappointing. Kentucky Florida, you'd throw in that boat. Who did I say? You missed Florida. yeah, I miss Florida. So Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M, my apologies. Auburn's been disappointing. Mississippi State and Ole Miss have both been hot and cold and certainly, but you weren't banking on them. LSU's been disappointing. Georgia has been disappointing for the first time in a long time. Kentucky, you know, there's nothing special going on there. Anyway, let's move on. Georgia at South Carolina. Now you flirted with the idea of this being a potential upset spot and I don't hate it because Georgia have lost two of their last three, which we haven't seen from the Georgia Bulldogs uh, certainly under Kirby Smart, but their only win is a 14-3 victory over a reeling Kentucky. The defense has taken a step back in recent weeks, but the offense looks to be a little bit better with JT Daniels at the helm, and I don't think that South Carolina will have enough to get over Georgia, but there's still something wrong with Georgia in terms of the fact that they expect to be up there with the, the top teams in the country, and they had that shot at the national championship going back a couple of years. They missed and since that point, 
They haven't been able to put both sides of the ball together well enough, consistently enough to to beat the top end. I know that's not what we're talking about here, but they'll beat South Carolina, but there's still going to be something that looks a little bit off. Yeah, look, looking at this one, South Carolina paying 10 bucks to win. And I just felt it's like that was... Unbelievable. It's, it's a big number. I, I think Georgia win, but... Uh, in a weekend where I'm struggling to find an upset, this was one that almost kind of came at me, almost tempted me to throw some dollars down. Not going to. Uh, I don't really have any spare dollars to throw around, but uh, yeah, like I agree with you. I'm excited to see JT Daniels and what he can do at Georgia. It feels like it's a little too little too late now. Like the, these guys are kind of out of the conversation. They're not going to be playing in the SEC Championship. They might do well to finish ranked in the top 10, but if he can build this year uh, into into something for next year. I think that's what they'd be focusing on uh, and looking to build towards. All right, the other two games in the SEC, Kentucky at Florida, Vandy at Missouri, and I don't think those games are worth touching on too much. Florida will beat up on Kentucky and Missouri probably, but even if they don't, who really gives a shit? In the Pac-12, Oregon and Oregon State, this is the Civil War. I will be dialed into this one because this one's going to kick off on Saturday, I believe, here in Australia rather than Sunday morning. So um, certainly worth getting up for. I think this could be interesting early, although I'm not entirely banking on it being close at the finish line. Tyler Shock has been really impressive so far for the Ducks. I've really enjoyed this offense. I mean, we know it's not the Chip Kelly offense with Marcus Mariota and... Um, DeAnthony Thomas and all those crazy weapons that he had. But it's also not the same offense that was slightly predictable under Marcus Arroyo, um, who saw, and we've seen this in the NFL, Justin Herbert has rocketed up NFL relevancy in the quarterback position, and we just never saw it consistently in his time at Oregon. However, um, with Joe Moorhead, they look like they can do a little bit of everything. They can play bully ball when they want to. They can spread things out, get the RPA, RPO. I don't know what RPA is. RPO game focused and dialed in when they need to do that. They've got CJ Vidal and Tyson Dyer who are getting involved in the passing game. We didn't see that under Marcus Arroyo and his offense. And we saw Tyson Dyer get loose up the middle of the field last week. Um, and CJ Vidal has been able to contribute both running and catching the ball as well. And this just adds another element to that offense. And it looks far closer, as we've said time and time again, to the Penn State offense than the old Oregon offenses. The defense has had their struggles and they've lost Justin Flo, who's a five-star linebacker. He got injured earlier in the year and he's out. And then you've got um, Penne Sewell's younger brother, who is also in a little bit of trouble um, with injuries. On top of that, you've got some issues in the back end due to opt-outs. They've had issues with tackling and coverage there. I've said a lot of words here. Um, so, you know, Wazoo and UCLA had no issues moving the ball on them. I just don't think that Oregon State have got enough. Uh, Tristan Jebbia, if he's going to win this game, needs to have the best game of his life. He is a game manager at best. He is Kerry Collins. He is... Who was your mate that took Chicago to a... Rex uh, Grossman, sexy Rexy. He is Rex Grossman. Like, he is nothing, and they need Jamar Jefferson to be consistently good. Last week, he gashed Cowfer a 75-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage and then was pretty much irrelevant for the entire game up until the last drive. He went over 130 yards. It looks great, but he wasn't consistently effective, and that's what they're going to need to beat Oregon. 
And I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and if you don't think it's going to happen, like you sitting over there with your number one ticket holder, obviously uh, Oregon, Oregon State, State fanboy, like, you, you, you're big fan. If you, if you can't see it happen, then I don't think anyone can. And and I tend to agree. Uh, RPA, when you talk that, it's a robotics process automation. That's what I play Thank around you. with at work. Thank you so. for that. <laughs> That's a bit you of fun. Time wisely. Well, I was on my diatribe about <laughs> Oregon's offensive coordinator. You were googling robotics. Good. Well, I don't need to Google it. It's just what I do for fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you... I thought you, you just like push memos around and tell people how to do things. A lot of that too. And then, but now I'm getting robots... And then robots, get angry at them when they don't. Getting really. robots to do it for me. They send the, the memos <laughs> around. the I's, cross everyone. the T's. You got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Oregon are looking good. I, I think you made some very good points. And it was well researched. I was impressed with that, mate. Uh, I, I like CJ Vidal and Travis Dye as a combo. I think this Oregon team certainly has to show something. They have been very fallible so far this year in terms of what we've seen from the Washington State game uh, and the lead that they gave up to UCLA and, and that one running tight there, they, they need to be looking better than they are at the moment. Yes, they're getting wins and that's what they need to do, but th- at some point it needs to start to click. I don't know with all the opt-outs that they have whether it will and whether it can, but this will be a good one for them to try and make that happen. Yeah, I just hope they run this one close, I guess. And um, Again, it wouldn't surprise me if, it, if it's there for the taking in the last quarter. For those people, if you're an Australian listener and you don't have a team, find one, pick an offense that you enjoy watching. Like, pick something that you buy into. If you like running the ball, go to Iowa. If you like some creative offenses, you know, pick a team like Oregon because you do see some variation. So do those things. That's a risky game to play, though, because coaches move and schemes change. They do. Yeah, but follow your coach. You know, that's an interesting concept. Don't follow the team. Follow the, coach. Follow the coach. So if you're Joe Moorhead, you're a Penn State fan, then you're a Mississippi State fan, then you're an Oregon fan. You'd be constantly updating your wardrobe too. Like I actually like the I idea of that. That sounds pretty it. good. I don't hate it. <laughs> Let's find a graduate it. assistant who's got a promising future out there. <laughs> Let- Really I'm, not get around ta- I'm not taking the piss. Uh, we are going to do that. Uh, Off-season off goals, we're finding the most promising graduate assistant and we're going to follow Because someone, career. Joe Brady was a graduate assistant at one point. Lincoln oh, Riley yeah. was a graduate assistant at we'll one point. We'll be so devastated when they go to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't the fucking plan. Yeah. But oh, we'll get him on the show. It'll be good. You always hear those stories like, oh, this graduate assistant, we knew he always had it. Like, he was just tape dogging and like he just chewed up the playbook and it's like yeah but why didn't we hear about him earlier so we could follow him that's what we want (laughs) anyway uh colorado at usc two undefeated teams in the pac-12 i don't trust usc at all but they got their feet underneath themselves a fraction last week after a couple of hairy run-ins in weeks one and two colorado going on uh okay under headman carl durrell he was a former ucla head coach got this offensive going uh, this offense going effectively with Sam Neuer, quarterback. Jarek Brassard, your boy, um, at running back has been really, really effective. But offense hasn't been an issue with Colorado in recent years. It's more about being able to stop someone, particularly in the passing game. And they haven't been able to do that. They're giving up so many yards through the air. And USC were much improved in that area last week against Utah. Um, Malapai hasn't been able to run the ball effectively. They're just getting enough out of him, but it's been the air game that has been effective for USC so far. 
I want the buffs to make this close. Have a crack. I'd love to see them upset because you know I like chaos. You know I like to see the upset, but I don't think this is the week that that happens. I think this almost feels like a completely get-right game for UC, USC this week in all facets on offense. I think they had that last week. I think they, re- it, they really started to click. The first couple, they looked shaky. Last week, they, they started to hit their straps, and I expect that to continue. Colorado has given up some big plays on the year. Yes, they're undefeated and, and traveling better than I think anyone expected, but they have still leaked and, and they've given up some big scores, they've given up, given up some big plays, and that's something that Keaton Slovis does well. Passing the ball down the field to some very athletic wideouts there at USC, I expect them to fully exploit that, put up some big numbers here. Colorado, with that, Jarek Brousseau, will uh, put up points. I, I think they're going to be able to do that, but they're gonna, not going to be able to keep pace, and USC at home will stretch away in this one. Fair enough. Stanford at Cal, Arizona at UCLA, and Utah at Washington. Anything on those three games? Not from me, friend. Not from me. Okay, let's jump into the reverse alphabetical order. Big 10. I am so not excited about any game in the Big 10 this week. Like, So you're going to have to pick it. I've got two comments. So I will start. I'll go in chronological order of the, the way the game's being played. Nebraska or Iowa is the Heroes game, I believe, is the rivalry. Is that right? I don't know. Something, oh, come on, dude. Ohio State at Illinois, don't care. Maryland at Indiana, don't care. Penn State at Michigan. And I'm going to use a Brett Ned Sklander's comment here. And he would say, this is about as vicious as two butterflies kissing. <laughs> and that is what this game is to me. Penn State and Michigan is like two three-year-olds trying to slap each other. It's going to be embarrassing. I do not, do not care. And I hope Penn State go 0-6 just because we haven't seen it before. And we'll always be able to see the year that Penn State completely bottomed out. This should be a blockbuster, and it is the opposite. And and it it kind of, it's, it's almost like, you know, you're on the freeway and there's a, you can see the smoke like you're driving down, you like there. There's a there's been a wreck. There has been a car wreck, and you slow down What's and you it? get a little. Ex- just a car accident, like multiple. Oh cars yeah, yeah. Involved. Like something's flipped. Things are on fire. There's a truck. You, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. But you kind of get a little excited, and I think that's what we've got going on with this game here. You're kind of slowing down. You're not going to sit around because it's just a bit sad to kind of sit there and really gawk at it. But you're certainly going to have a passing, like a good look on the way past to go, oh, what is happening in this mess over here? This is like the NFC East game of the week. Like this is Dallas versus Philadelphia. This is a shit fight. Um Minnesota, Wisconsin, we mentioned already, has been cancelled. Northwestern at Michigan State. The only reason that maybe this game gets a little funky is it's a letdown spot for Northwestern. But when you've got a good defense, defense seems to travel. Uh, Offenses can be a little bit streaky, but defense is not so much. And we know that Michigan State can't move the ball against a bunch of kindergartners so I don't know how they're going to do it against Northwestern even if they decide to literally play with uh, like a whole bunch of like 11 on 11 but there's five pairs of dudes strapped together in like a three-legged race I still think Northwestern win that game 
Yeah, I, I agree, and I certainly agree with your statement that defense seems to travel well with with these sorts. Of, it seems to be able to weather uh, these sorts of stress tests. The risk, though, is you give up a pick six, a special team score, and then all of a sudden you're in like an overtime matchup. Like you, you run the risk of that. Whereby I thought you were def- going to say like the risk is Rocky Lombardi. Passes well, for 400 yards. It, it, I thought that's not what you were that. going to say. It, it's not that. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're not going to give that up, but strange things can happen in other facets of the game that the defense has no control over, and then all of a sudden your offense needs to show something, and that's where I think there is certainly an opportunity. Like That's, that's where the door could open for a Northwestern shock surprise. If the Big Ten has an interesting game this week, I'll eat... Like... The grandpa in me says hat. The 21-year-old says a plate of my own shit. (laughs) The current Aaron age says I'll eat, I don't know, six hot dogs. (laughs) I don't know. So so what, dinner again? (laughs) Exactly. Um, The last game is Rutgers at Purdue. Um, go you Boilermakers alright let's not even waste any more time in the Big Ten because that is shit this week just before we move on uh, uh, so okay come on dude reverse I pulled that train out of the station reverse alphabetical order and we've gone the Big Ten before the Big 12 can I just get the logic on how that's happened in your head because I know the listeners want to know because 10 is spelled T-E yeah and 12 is spelled T-W. Yeah. And if we're going reverse alphabetical? Uh, <laughs> I'm just... Because the number is also bigger. So if we're using the, the numbers... T- sorry, sorry, sorry. The big 10 is written as the T-E-N. The 12 is the number. Okay. So because so, because so numbers a, but, always come to the top. So numbers no, always it's come a, to it's the top. No, but it's an X. It's X-I-I. So oh, it's <laughs> not fucking... Whatever. All right, let's move past the this ridiculous <laughs> argument. Okay, let's start with Iowa State at Texas. Uh, Texas open as one and a half point favorites at home in this one. That to me indicates that the people in the Las Vegas desert think that Iowa State is the better team. All things being equal, you normally get three points for playing at home just because that's the, the home field advantage. If it's a neutral site, the clones are favorite in this one. So they're clearly believing more in Iowa State, but giving Texas the edge at home. Anyway, I'll stop talking about that. Texas coming off wins against Oklahoma and West Virginia compared with Iowa State's last three of Kansas, Baylor, and Kansas State. Not exactly a murderer's row, but how much do you take out of leading games? Are they relevant or last week's game? Like how important is it that you play good games or can you play too many? Like, if you play like a really hard game the week before, it's really physical. If they were playing Army or Navy in the triple option, is that a good leading or a bad leading? What are your thoughts on on that coming into a game? I think there's so many variables there, and it changes different spots, different teams, all of that. So it's it's tough for any one situation. Obviously, you want your team to be traveling well. You want to have had uh, a good run, and you 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 want to be looking like you're firing on all cylinders. And I think Iowa State have been showing that. They're starting to hit their straps. I think Oklahoma showed that last week in their beatdown of my cowpokes that 
they were looking shaky early on and then they were getting exposed and they lost to Iowa State. Then, since then, they've built, they've built, then they had a game day matchup and just absolutely slaughtered a team because they were able to continue to build on that where Oklahoma State on the other side, very patchy, not looking so good, getting by in wins but only scraping by and then just got absolutely kicked out the club. So that would suggest then that Texas would go in favourite. It's beating Oklahoma State, beating West Virginia, who are two better teams than Kansas, Baylor, Kansas State. You're suggesting that Texas is perhaps in a better state following that narrative. Not necessarily because I think Iowa State... Well, I think think it's two teams who have been travelling well the last three weeks. Because Iowa State looked really good in their victory over Kansas State, like they were yeah, flawless. Baylor? They looked as Baylor. Oh, that was rough. Baylor were in that game. Yeah, and, and I mean, you, you make a good point, but I, I guess Kansas in were up the immediate on Iowa State at one point that happened. <laughs> in the immediate lead up to, both teams have looked quite good, okay. uh, and, and I think Texas certainly. Uh, the team that I like in this one, I, I'm just mm. disappointed that this is the early Friday game. It's it's like a three o'clock, uh, a midday kickoff over there. So it's yeah, three three thirty a.m. like Friday night, Saturday morning for us here, which is mm. going to be a rough one to get up to. But I might do it because I think yeah. this has big Big Twelve implications. I think it's yep. two teams that I'll certainly get up for the second half and watch this one because there's some good yep. players running around. Uh, and, and it's anyone else who's, who's getting into it, obviously you're a Texas or Iowa State fan, you'd be chomping at the bit. And not only that, you've got Oregon, Oregon State after that, so get around that. This <laughs> is um, offensive output is almost identical between these two teams. Points and yards, almost the same. Do you, are you picking a lot of points? I think this is going to be a shootout, a quarterback duel, and then it comes down to who do you trust more. Under normal circumstances, I'd say Brock Purdy, but he has been spotty this year, whereas Sam Ellinger just... And you know Gus Johnson loves him. You know Gus Mm -hmm. Johnson. If he's calling this game, he's going to be rock hard over Sam Ellinger and the fact that he's a Texan and he's a hero. And, you know, that's all going to come out again. This is Texas at home. I am leaning Longhorns here, which means they'll probably go down in flames, but uh, I'm, I'm probably going to take Texas. Yeah, I like them at home in the spot as well. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Can the Cowboys bounce back? I would expect them to in this one. They'll be disappointed after last week's effort, so they should be able to finally get some offense going and put up some points against a pretty poor Tech defense. Wait till they lose that one. Kansas State at Baylor, Oklahoma at West Virginia, TCU at Kansas. Anything on those three? Probably the the most interesting would be the Oklahoma-West Virginia game. Absolutely. I think that certainly is uh, a a potential chaos game there because West Virginia in Morgantown. Do you want me to play the drop? Yeah, let's do it. the drop me. Let's do it. Hit the drop. Just want to watch the world burn. And this that, this is just like deep seeded like bitterness still for me carrying over, and it's very wishful thinking <laughs> that mature, West Virginia can get it done. Not. Yeah, I'm not, so I'm not going to pretend like that's the case. West Virginia, a, a dangerous team. Morgantown's a tough place to play. Having watched Oklahoma play, it's tough to think that they're going to lose because, like, watching that team that lost back to back games early in the year and me a boatload of money in the process. And then what we I saw on the field they're last week... Fu- they're just fucking you at both ends, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, I, I, I see it hard for 
anyone really in the Big 12 to match up with what I saw served up last week. So something crazy needs to happen. Morgantown's the place for it to, to go. But yeah, I, I think Oklahoma are in red hot form at the minute. Have Oklahoma played Iowa State? Yes, they lost to them. So Iowa State hold the power in their own hands. They control their own destiny. Yes, as yes. The, uh, They're the, the only one loss say. Big 12 team. Okay. So as long as they win out, they're good. And yes. they've got a, in fact, they've probably got to drop a couple, don't they? Well, no, because they lose to Texas and then they've like... They also have losses to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State yeah. So then there's but, a bit of a thing going on there. Okay, so let's let me do the maths here. So Iowa State control their own destiny, and so do Oklahoma. Then in I the so, yes. to, to get to the championship game, right? So you're praying for losses on both ends. Go Mountaineers. Okay, obviously continually more sexual as we talk about getting hard and doing things at both ends all right into the acc notre dame and north carolina this game is big for the acc and the national picture as a whole the number two ranked fighting irish head to chapel hill and they're going to take on this very very streaky unc tar heels offense and team as you mentioned earlier unc has the fifth best offense in the country fourth Uh, third i think it was Oh, God. Um, incredibly explosive. Diami Brown is a top 10 receiver in the, country, in the country in yards and touchdowns. They've got the aforementioned Javante Williams and Michael Carter, who this is where I get my numbers from. But uh, top 11, they've got two running backs in the top 11 in the nation running the ball. That is ridiculous. Um, but that's where they are. Like I mentioned, they are streaky. They've had to come back from big deficits in multiple games. And if they're going to beat this Notre Dame team, they're going to have to play a more consistent all-around effort throughout the entire game. They're going to have to make plays in the first quarter and through the entire game. You do get the number 11 ranked defense in Notre Dame, but, and I don't know how much to read into this, and I actually don't. Sometimes I say that I don't mean it. This time I actually do. They've allowed 40 points to a depleted Clemson team. Yes, it went to overtime. But 31 points last week to BC, which is well above their uh, yearly average at the moment. Are we going to get a good Notre Dame defense or not? Because I think it needs to be good this week. I think it does, but it needs to be good against the run, I feel, and that's where they have been able to kind of stiffen up. I think that's where they've shown some strength and they will be good for it. For me, this game has real letdown feel about it. Like It's built up that it's you know a potential spot that you've looked at Notre Dame's schedule all year and you said, well, if they beat Clemson, then they've got actually a bit of a tough run here and it seems like Notre Dame's... The, uh, sorry... North Carolina's the one that they'll drop because it's just there's all these difficult games. That rah, 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 rah. I, I'm not buying into it. I think Notre Dame come in, continue about their business, get this one done comfortably. North Carolina wow, have been really they've been patchy. They're, like absolutely, yes, they've been. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're probably a better team than the number twenty five ranking gives them credit for, but they're certainly not at Notre Dame level uh, and. Oh. I think that for for me, Notre and Dame... And Syracuse wasn't at Clemson level and Purdue wasn't at Ohio State Yeah, oh, and uh, upsets happen and it's certainly, it could be this game. Like looking through the one, this is the one that you go, well, it's probably most likely, but that for me is probably why I think it's not going to go down that path. This one, I think Notre Dame are the better team. The, this These guys have 
national championship aspirations that they will be driving for. They're going to continue on that path, and, and I expect them to get it done uh, in North Carolina. Interesting. I We, we expected this kind of um, this letdown a couple of weeks ago against Pitt. Oh, sorry, against BC, my apologies, for Notre Dame, and it didn't come. But Brian Kelly does have a history of dropping a big game somewhere that may be the playoff where their team just doesn't show up. I'm not saying this is the week, but I wouldn't be surprised if UNC just, things get a little bit frisky, things get a little bit crazy. Don't get me wrong, I think Ian Book is a little bit more stable than that. Their defense is okay. I don't think they're great, but they're going to have to be on point to control an offense that is going to put up points and they could put up 40 comfortably this is i don't think this is a particularly great matchup in terms of where these teams are at right now sure Notre Dame earlier in the year when their defense was charging great but they're not right now and you copy unc team who has the ability to put up 21 points in a quarter I, I, I just I, I don't love it for Notre Dame I don't think I, I, I still think they win but I think this game's close I don't think they control this one from the outset it's a North Carolina team that's had like it's relied on being, having to put up 21 points in a quarter two scrape by and wins against pretty average teams like yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree with what you're saying but there's too much volatility there the Brian Kelly one like it, it's on the cards it's they're going to make the ACC championship game and then they're going to get pants well, by Clemson there and then yeah, that's going yeah, to be okay. seen as like the disappointment <laughs> that, that's just it's going to happen so yeah so I, I guess the only other note from this one is Notre Dame lose uh, two interior offensive linemen and they have been hit by injuries and that's going to make running the ball fractionally tough so and they've had some issues they've been spotty running the ball as well Kyron Williams hasn't exactly been able to find running room on a consistent basis so if you can make them one-dimensional, does that help? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But this is the most intriguing matchup of the week for me. And if I had to watch one, it would be that. All right, continuing the ACC, Pitt at Clemson. I don't want to spend long on this, but this could be a fractionally tricky. Pitt Merck's Virginia Tech last week. Clemson haven't played for at least 17 years. Um, so what does that mean for them? Is there any chance of the Tigers catching Pitt out here? I'm happy to see Trevor Lawrence back in action. He's always good fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not going to get those, you know, five sacks a game, six sacks a game that they're averaging against this Clemson team. They're too well coached. That they operate too well. It's just not going to happen. I can't see them catching them napping here because they haven't played in so long. Like they're going to be eager and fired up to get out there and and make a point. So I expect another clinical Clemson effort here. Uh, the only other games in the ACC are a complete waste of time. Of the four games remaining, so if you do the maths, four games, that's eight teams. There's one of those teams with a winning record in conference. We're not even going to bother. Uh, other games, Kent State at Buffalo. We mentioned that one earlier, both undefeated in the MAC. Um, we also mentioned that Kent State, the number one scoring offense in the nation, so I expect them to handle Buffalo. San Jose State and Boise State undefeated in the Mountain West as well. So that game... Could be a little bit juicy to watch. Any comments on any other games that I have missed, William? No, I think you've done a fantastic job. I'm a bit disappointed in myself. There's a lot of chalk this week. I like to have a bit more there, but I've just gone very favourite heavy because it just feels like that sort of week. So that means hold on to your seats. Shit could get rocky. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, okay, championship draft time. I still don't have a drop for this, so you're not going to get one. Uh, who's up first? It's it's me, isn't it? I think it's me every I week, believe it's it, you, no. yeah. It is me? Okay, yeah, well, sure. I'm obviously selling Auburn because they play Alabama this week. I'm not keeping them. That's clever. Uh, that gets you four much? bucks. That gives me four bucks. So I'm that gonna... takes you to $6 in total. I'm buying Oklahoma State. Oof. You've really stitched me here because that's who I was going to buy and I have not put any thought into <laughs> outside of that. So I'm wow. taking Oklahoma State who sit at what? Wow. Three, is that a $3 buy? Uh, they're six bucks at the moment. Well, it depends. If you go $5. The a- $5 if, in the AP poll. Are we the so we're staying with the AP poll? We're sticking with the AP poll. Okay. So we're sticking with the AP poll. So that'll cost me five bucks, but I'm okay with that because they play Texas Tech. They'll go up next week and I can fleece them off again shortly yeah they'll definitely finish higher than 21 that was why i like i think this team is actually still quite good they'll they'll finish somewhere in the top 20 there um and as i said yeah you've really kind of rocked me here so uh you've bought them for five bucks that's fine i have 12 dollars in the bank i took a big whack last week with wisconsin i bought them for 16 they're now worth eight so that's you the old. You sort of have to keep them, though, I guess. Like, yeah, ab- absolutely, I do. I still think they're actually a pretty good team, too. So I'm, I'm not selling them. Not selling Alabama. Uh, I'm not going to flog off USC or Oklahoma. So I'm just buying this week, and then with my twelve bucks, if I look down the list, Iowa State. No, I think they'll lose. Coastal Carolina. Mm, they're, 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 yeah, they're dropping with wins at the moment. Marshall, you have. Wisconsin, I have. USC, I have. Texas, maybe a play with a win over Iowa State gets them up in and amongst it. Auburn, no, obviously. Louisiana, Tulsa, North Carolina. I'm not looking at the. I'm, I'm going to take Texas because I, I don't have the yeah, other I don't list. Hate that. Uh, they, they could win with a win this week. It's a bit of a boom or bust. Like with a loss, they drop out and I lose six bucks. With a win, they're they're a certain shot to finish somewhere in the top top fifteen. 15. Yeah. yeah, which yep. which would make a nice chunk of cash there. So I'm gonna grab Texas. We'll would make this Big Twelve happy. Who said the Big Twelve's not relevant? It's all we're talking about. <laughs> so bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for. Them. Okay, bold prediction time. Uh, I'll let you kick things off this week, William, because I've sort of got one and a half. Um, but take us through your bold predictions. Okay, one week and a half. Uh, you're not going to like it because it's a bit weak, uh, <laughs> and I know you, you you hate this, but mine is uh, sunny in the sunshine state. I'm going to say that uh, all the teams in all the Florida teams who are playing non-Florida teams. So we do have UCF, USF going on. So I'm scrapping that one. But all the other Florida teams are going to win. Uh, okay, so who you got? Florida playing Kentucky. Sweet. Okay. Uh, you got Florida, Florida Atlantic over uh, Middle Tennessee. They should okay, probably win that awesome. too. Pretty tight. And <laughs> then I've got uh, Florida State beating. Virginia. I mean, anyone is unlikely, yeah, but I've got I mean, them beating Virginia. That's all of a sudden become really bold. So. Yeah. <laughs> so all the Florida guys are, are going to be sunny in the sunshine state. Okay. Uh, mine is called, I haven't named it, so I'm just going to bust something out. I'm going to call mine uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. So, Or I should have probably called it just half and half would have made sense. But um, I'm going to call zero upsets in the ranked matchups this week. I'm going to call things going to script. Uh, That is Notre Dame will down UNC. Uh, Alabama will beat Auburn. 
and Texas being the favourites will win. However, however, I will put a caveat on this because that's too easy. You can't just pick the favourites. I'm going to say that every one of those teams will be either down or it's not that they're down, but they might, they're not ahead at the half. So they'll either be locked um, in a tie or down at half time. So no Alabama? down. Sorry? Do you say Alabama? No. Alabama-Auburn, yep. That's a ranked <laughs> matchup. So, that, it, mate, it's bold, I'm telling you. They, they, they don't have to be down. They could be squared away at 17-all or something like that. But either way, the winners of the match, which will be the more highly ranked team, will not be winning at halftime. That is bold, my friend. Thank you. Um, my other little side note is Ian Book runs for more touchdowns than he passes. I'm saying that. Okay. Okay. Let's move on and let's get on the punt. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> All right. You suck. So let's do this. I do suck. And it's this week has been the hardest for me, which I'm hoping is a good thing because normally I sit down and I am confident. I'm, yeah. I'm picking. <laughs> Picking games, I'm like, yep, yep, can't lose, yep, sweet, love that. And then I end up losing all of my money and it not going well. Where this week I've had a great difficulty in trying to find, I think it's because I'm trying to pick upsets and I just couldn't find any this week. So I've had to revert back to picking some games at the line uh, or straight up. So uh, to lead things off, I'm taking Texas. I'm really getting Texas heavy here. Uh, I'm going to back them to beat Iowa State. It's about even money, maybe a dollar eighty-eight. Uh, I think I found it out. So I'm going to pick them to win at home as my first okay. one. Uh, two units on that bad boy. Uh, the next one I've got Ole Miss. Uh, I, I was quite quite strong in yeah, my convictions, as confident. you mentioned. Uh, they've given nine and a half points to Mississippi State. They easily cover that in my mind. So uh, we're going to push for that. Uh, next one who I feel quite good about is Indiana. Now, yes, you might think after the big uh, upset, well, the kind of close game with Ohio State last week, that this might be a bit of a letdown spot for them against Maryland. Maryland are in the depths of coronavirus. Like, they are ravaged at them. Uh, this game may be called off because they're still struggling from it. <laughs> That's but, really picking some low-hanging fruit there, dude. You just... Well, it, it, no, it is a bit, but I think it's, uh, Indiana are going to still exploit this. They're still an undervalued team by the general public. They're giving up 11.5 points to a Maryland team who is struggling, and I expect them to roll over that. So I'm going Indiana, minus 11 for a couple of units. And then I'm also throwing in uh, Florida State. So I'm, I'm going heavy on that. Florida State to beat Virginia. Uh, they're paying oh, 360 as an underdog. A couple of units Florida there. Florida State are an absolute shit fight at the moment. Deontay Lucas has just opted out of the season and said he's transferring. Mike Norvell is in the depths of really purging that team of anyone who doesn't want to be there. And they're getting told to hit the road at a rate of knots. Backs against the wall is all I'm hearing. (laughs) Uh, Not that I think much of Virginia either, but wow. Precisely. Uh, I mean, they're they're heavy underdogs here. I think they've still got the talent to get it done. They don't. Uh, they they 100% don't. They are terrible. 
they're playing at home and three dollars sixty against Virginia team. I'm going to take that. So a couple of units there. Then I'm going to multi all four. So Texas, Ole Miss at the line, Indiana at the line, and Florida State to win. Uh, that multi like everything but the Florida State. That, that multi is paying twenty six bucks there. So um, it should be twenty six thousand because <laughs> we're going to put a unit on that and and try and if it all comes up, we'll dig ourselves out of this hole. We found ourselves in punters. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. That's how gambling works. All right, that brings us to the end of our Week 13 preview show. Um, as I mentioned at the top, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, CFB down under, subscribe to the show. That'll be friends. No, do all the right things by us. We do the right things by you. Oh, I get to spend some time with you this week, Will, which I'm really excited about. It's Saturday do- night. You want to come up early Saturday, trips running uh, down at Morfittville, so going around to my boy's place on the deck. It's going to be hot, but... Yeah, it's going to be hot as balls, dude. um, I'm brewing Saturday, and then I'm going out for uh, some dinner with Russell the Love Muscle. Okay. Um, So yeah, I haven't seen him for a while, so I'm going to catch up with him, and uh, and then I'll be around later. I don't know what time that's going to be. Oh, you can scoop me up and take me home. That'll be good. That'll be fucking retarded. You're going to be right spastic as well, aren't you? Only if Trip gets up and it's running a stakes <laughs> race. So it's not, not, that would be something. <laughs> okay. Um, on behalf of that guy over there, am I bringing my mics up as well? Are we going to do some recording up here? Absolutely, we're going to do some recording. Okay. This could go real ugly. Uh, on behalf of that guy over there, thank you and myself, of course. Thank you for joining us. My name's Aaron. That is Will. And we will see you next time. We need Alabama to lose so we can stop playing this goddamn Tusk outro as well, please. So, War Eagle. <laughs>